y'all. It's your host, Avery Carl. Welcome to the short-term show special episode series on Scottsdale, Arizona. So in these 10 episodes, we are going to take a deep dive into the Scottsdale market, but I want to note a couple of things for you guys first. So if you are looking for current income numbers and current purchase prices, or you want to set up a search of Scottsdale properties, you can do that at our website, theshorttermshop.com. You can also connect with us there to get connected with our Scottsdale agents or any of our other markets, any agents in the other markets that we work in. So hope you guys enjoy our Scottsdale mini series and we'll catch you guys later. Be sure to join our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, same title as my book. And we'd love to connect with you there as well. Thanks guys, let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Show special episode series on the Scottsdale market. We are back with Leslie and Jessica and today, so this one might be a little bit of a short episode. We're going to go through some common occurrences for that happen when you're managing properties in this market. So typically when we do these on in other markets, what we'll talk about is things like, you know, there's hurricanes and things that people cancel for in beach markets and freezes in the mountain markets. But this market is unique in that it doesn't really have a lot of like natural disaster opportunity. So uh, we'll just kind of go through some basic things. But uh, Leslie, you want to introduce yourself again real quick in case people are skipping to this episode? Sure. Leslie Carvajal. I'm uh, an agent and investor with The Short-Term Shop. Happy to be here. Happy to help any clients that are interested in exploring or investing in our market. Happy to help. Thanks, Leslie. And Jessica, introduce yourself again really quick. Hey guys, Jessica Rush. Um, I live in the East Valley just outside of Scottsdale. I'm excited to work with The Short-Term Shop and to help you get into your first or your next investment um, here in this market. And as Luke would say, let's party. Yeah, he'll be on in a couple of episodes. Uh, okay, so let's talk about just some common things that you have to deal with when you're when you're managing a property in this market. So let's start with weather. In some markets, people will cancel before they even get in the car to start driving because they see a weather report and they're not happy with the way the weather's going to be. So uh, is there anything here, any type of weather that would typically make people want to do something like that? Or is the weather pretty much, you know, consistent. It is a desert after all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I would think that if weather was going to be a problem, it'd be weather where they're at and not where we are. Maybe they can't get out. Maybe they they have problems with their flight or something, but um, we average 325 sunny days a year. So um, we typically don't have any increment weather that would keep someone from keeping their booking. Um, we do have a short, kind of a short monsoon season that starts usually around like July 4th and into August. But, um, and then you'll, you'll get a little dust storm and a rain, but, but probably where you're going to have your Airbnb, then it's, that's, not even going to be a problem as far as the weather goes here. Yeah, I agree with that. Gotcha. So we don't have a lot of weather there. What about, I'm trying to think of some things that might be specific to this market. So there's a lot of, you guys get a lot of sporting events, a lot of concerts, a lot of things like that. So what happens if, I mean, the Super Bowl would never get canceled, but we're going to use that as an example because it um, happened in Scottsdale last year. So if, if you got a bunch of people coming in town or if you got a booking where they're coming in town for an event like that and it gets canceled, do you give a refund? I would say no, because that's completely outside your control. It's not, it's the same thing as like, we don't give refunds for weather. We, you know, we 
advertised this house. You are getting this house the way it was advertised. And just, I'm sorry, your thing got canceled. You need to buy trip insurance, but unless you guys have any, any other recommendations? No, I mean, I just say plan accordingly. I mean, you're coming for a specific reason. And if it's outside of my control, I'm sorry, but I know it's harsh, but at the end of the day, it is a business. So. And there's so many other things to do here. It's not like you're not going to have something to do if one thing gets canceled, but yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah. I think as long as the guests, when they're at, when they're booking, they know the cancellation policy and that's clearly communicated to them, then I think that's fair. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of the same across all markets. So let's talk about pests for a minute. Are there any bugs that are specific or pests in general specific to this market that we have to worry about often? Like in some markets, there's ladybug season and there's like nothing you can do about them and they will just swarm and get inside your house. Is there anything like that that you have to kind of keep an eye on and and maintain? No. I mean, there are certain areas where you will get scorpions. Um, I've heard different different reasonings as to like why certain neighborhoods will get it. And then two blocks over the next neighborhood doesn't or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know fully if it's true, but you know, they just, they come up. I I live in a community that does not have it. I moved a mile away and that house did have scorpions. It's really weird, but you know, they were a nuisance and I have to have pest control that would come out and spray. And even then, I mean, they don't go away, but it helps prevent them, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I think scorpions would be one. Outside of that, I don't. I mean, there are there are rattlesnakes. So if you if you live close to mountains, I do, and some of my neighbors have said that they have seen or encountered rattlesnakes like in their yard or by their doors. Um, so that would be something to consider. Jessica, what about you? We we live on more of a rural property a little bit outside of town. And we've only had a couple of scorpions the whole time I've been here. I've been here for about seven years. So I think it's something that maybe people are a little bit afraid of coming to the desert. You know, they hear about them, but they sell them at the gas station. They sell them in, in popsicles. So they do. <laughs> and drinks. They're not as scary as they, as they seem. But um, I've never had a big problem with them. I've known people that have lived here for a long, long time that have never had a problem with them. They can pop up, but you you that's you should figure that into part of your property maintenance. You just have pest control come out, but there's not bugs here like there are in humid areas, the mid south. I mean, you have a we have a few more mosquitoes during monsoon season um, when there's more moisture on the ground, but you like we have very few bugs compared to other areas because they just burn up. They just can't survive in the heat. So um, a scorpion may be here or there, but but you treat for it and and you deal with it when you when it comes up. But I'd say like not much to worry about. I feel like the stories are more of a nuisance than the actual encounters. Yeah. yeah. So does any of this, I guess there's no way to like spray for rattlesnakes, but you could spray for scorpions, right? So is there anything that you have to like ongoing maintenance wise, keep an eye on or just tell your guests like, Hey, rattlesnakes exist in the desert. Look out. Well, I mean, I think that rattlesnakes, I think they should know about it. So I, I definitely think it should be somewhere in your description. Um, most of the Scottsdale properties all go out and say that you're not likely to encounter them. Now, if you have a property that's off of a mountain or you're more in desert type of, you know, landscaping and things like that, 
closer to those areas that you would have more wildlife encounters, then yeah, that's probably something that you want to make sure that you're they're all fully aware of. But generally speaking, I don't think that that needs to be um, taken into con- taken into account in you know the city of Scottsdale. It's really when you're going out and doing the hiking and biking trails and things like that, just to be cautious and being made aware that they exist and they are, there's a possibility. Same with, I mean, you know, fountain hills and tarantulas and things like that. Like I've seen them, it's gross, but like that's their habitat. That's where they live. We're in a desert. Yeah. I think they're much more of a concern, like when you're going out and doing things, not necessarily on the property, probably. Yeah. Well, let's move into something that Leslie, you've mentioned a few times over the past episodes that seems to be kind of a big deal around here that you'll have to maintain. And that's landscaping. So what does the landscaping costs look like? What do we have to look for in terms of when we're buying, okay, this will require that kind of maintenance, or this is the least amount of maintenance. Uh, What are we looking for there? I think desert landscape is probably the least amount of maintenance. It's really just like the rockscape. Um, You don't have grass. Maybe you have some turf because it's artificial and you can put that anywhere. So there's no cost of um, watering systems or, you know, anything like that. If you do have trees, obviously you would have a system for that, but it's not, you know, grass, which it's a lot to maintain, especially here. Um, So desert landscape is probably the least cost that you would be paying to to keep up on that. Um, And then if you had you know, acreage or a lot of grass, then your bill is going to be pretty high, just the water bill itself. And then the maintenance of mowing and blowing and weed eating and all of that is to be incorporated. I know um, landscapers will charge extra for that. And of course, like tree trimming and and, uh, bush trimming and, and things along those lines. So it can range anywhere between probably 120 to I mean, depending on how large the lot is, it could be 300, but that's like a very large size, probably luxury property that you would have to maintain to get up in in that cost point. Gotcha. What about, I know this is going to sound like a really dumb question, but I think about, I see in landscaping a lot of cacti. And when I think about backyards and kids and stuff, so what are some things that we might want to put like in our guidebook if there are cactus, it's cacti, right? Uh, If there are things that kids might want to touch that will hurt them in the landscaping, because we like we don't have those around here. And I know when we went to California with the kids and we went to Indio, so there's cactus stuff there that they were like, oh, cool, like wanting to grab it because it looks cool. I'm like, well, just don't. So do you think we need to put that in our guidebook and like warn people about that? Or is that too scary? No, I mean, yeah, I think it's necessary because especially kids, they don't get it. It's like, you know, shiny object syndrome. If it's new and you've never seen it, sometimes the first reaction is to go and touch it. And you definitely don't want to do that. So yeah, I, I say much like real estate, disclose, disclose, disclose. I wouldn't necessarily plant any cactus and purposely put any cactus in my backyard landscaping. Maybe if they're in the front yard and it's not something you're going to like pass directly by, if it's just for an aesthetic, that's different. Or if it's already there and established, that that would be different. Now, the saguaro cactuses, if they are present on the property, you typically don't move those. Um, You have to have a permit 
I think to move them. Um, so they're, they're semi-protected I'd say. So, um, if there is like a long established saguaro back there, maybe you could put something around it or put some other landscaping around it to where it's not so easy just to like run up to and, and touch. But, um, but I wouldn't necessarily plant cactus and I might even take some cactus out, mm-hmm. you know, if there's some prickly pear or something in the backyard. Cause yeah, I, I think it, it could cause more than one problem, but it's a nice aesthetic to have out front maybe. All right. Yeah. Definitely something to think about. So something to watch out for when you are shopping for properties and looking at the landscaping and, and just planning for, for guests to be there is that we don't all live amongst cactus stuff <laughs> and, so, and our kids might want to grab a hold of something. All right. So let's talk about some more just general stuff. So like a pool maintenance problem. So do the, let me think about how I want to word this. So if a guest gets to your house and there's a problem with the pool, like it's dirty, for example. So are we refunding them? Are we trying to get a pool guy out there immediately? What, what do you think knowing what you know about pool contractors out there, is that typically something that you can get somebody to do like in an on-call capacity, or is it very much like, all right, I'm sorry, guest, uh, the pool people will only come these two weeks, these two days of the month and it's scheduled and they don't have the capacity to come in and like an on-call scenario. How, how would you handle that in this market? Because I think the pools are pretty important. Yeah, I would say probably, I mean, there are instances where you could get somebody last minute. It is rare um, just because pool cleaning is, I feel like it's a large, it's a large job. There's a lot of need for it here. So um, oftentimes I've noticed that maybe I can get them the next day if I absolutely needed some maintenance or some attention. Um, same days, a lot more difficult. If you had a handyman and if it was a, a, a clean issue where, you know, maybe there's some leaves or, you know, palm trees create a lot of um, mess in a pool. And so if that's the case, you know, maybe a handyman or somebody, you know, like your cleaner, maybe they can just assess it while they're there if need be. Um, so if it's something simple like that, you may not need a pool professional. It could be as easy as just kind of skimming it over or something like that. Got it. So Leslie, what do you typically do if the guest shows up to a dirty house? So what's your policy and protocol there if, if your cleaner misses a clean for some reason? Um, apologize and immediately <laughs> offer. Well, yes. <laughs> to, I would fix the situation by offering to send them out to lunch, depending on when they arrived, of course. Um, typically, check-in for me would be four. So I would offer to send them to dinner on me while the property was being cleaned or, you know, that situation was rectified. But yeah, sometimes an apology goes a long way and things happen. No one's perfect, but as long as you can make it right and, and hope that they're, they receive it the way that it's intended. I feel like that goes a long way. And I I feel like even, you know, if, if they've already eaten, say before they got to the property, giving them a gift card and just, you know, offering to pay for some sort of activity or a movie or something just to get them out of the house for the time that is needed to to have it clean or fixed or whatever. I agree with that. Send, send them to dinner, apologize profusely, get the cleaner yeah. out there immediately, and then maybe give them a little break on the, the cleaning fee is, yeah. would be my recommendation. So what are your backup plans? We talked a little bit about this in a previous episode, backup plans for lock situations. So 
maybe your lock runs out of batteries. What what are your contingency plans there? I have um, a lockbox um, that I will place somewhere on the property that will have um, a spare key. And then I'll also have an extra set with myself and I will provide another option for a lockbox um, because I have, so one of my lockbox will have keys to the front door lock and then my um, owner's closet lock. And I don't necessarily want guests to have my owner's closet keys. So I'll try and have two lockboxes, um, one that is guest appropriate. And then one that's maybe for like my cleaner or a maintenance person or, or somebody that I feel like I can trust a little bit more with, you know, owner's closet. And that's pretty much it. Just owner's closet and, and front door. I don't have a separate lock for like my patio or anything like that. Got it. And is there anything, so anything Arizona specific, like Scottsdale desert-ish specific that you can think of that we haven't covered already that the listeners may not think about when they're buying a property here, that'll be something that they're typically going to have to deal with. Is the heat any kind of a consideration? Is there anything related? Because it is freaking hot there. (laughs) So is there anything related to that, that somebody like me, who's never owned in a market that's, that's a, that hot and be a desert might have to deal with in terms of like the AC, is there any, are there any tricks to that? Do we have to do anything special because it gets so damn hot outside? No, I mean, I would, I would definitely keep up with your maintenance. It's like twice a year. So I would do the maintenance on, on the AC units um, to ensure that they're operating and functioning the way they're supposed to. Um, I think it's really big when I view properties, either with clients or for clients, I always make sure to notice if there's ceiling fans in each of the rooms. I think it's important to have them. It circulates the air. It, It helps it. I mean, in the bigger picture, it really does help. So in other markets, you may not need a ceiling fan. Um, here, you, I feel like I can say you definitely want them in every single room. And if they don't have them, considering install, consider installing them. So I would say probably the ceiling fans and then having you know the standalone fans kind of in the closets as an extra amenity. Or, you know, it's a small amenity, but it's it's big for our, our summer months. Those are kind of probably the, the main things that I would suggest. To, to be aware of and to, to have on the property and make sure that you're maintaining and keeping that like readily available and accessible. What about you, Jessica? Uh, I think they covered some of the stuff, troubleshooting stuff in the episode where we talked about amenities, having the smart thermostats mm-hmm. and, and helping guests control the temperature of the house. And cause you know, it might be really hot outside and you know, they come in from, the pool or golfing or something like that and, and jack it way down. But so I think the smart thermostats um, are smart in this and um, this market. Also, we talked about um, on another episode, having um, the equalizer plan so that your electric bill doesn't go way up during the, during the summer months and surprise you with a really big bill. Um, this is one thing I have noticed. I mean, the sun is really direct and really bright and really hot here. So if your door um, if your front door is in the sun, in the direct sun, sometimes the sun can burn up the batteries in in things. Um, I've had that issue with lock boxes on getting into houses. The battery sometimes will will run down, and I don't know if it's a type of battery or what. But um, I think you address that with having a mechanical lock box on the property somewhere with a with an actual key in it, just in case the batteries, you know, get burned up or get used up. And so, but but yeah, all right. 
So anything else as we're wrapping up? I knew this one would be a little bit short because you don't have like a lot of weather related things or corrosion due to being by the beach or anything like that. So is there anything else related to owning here or managing people here that you think our listeners need to understand before we go? I mean, I think it's pretty, it's pretty easy to find people. We have a large community of contractors and handymen and cleaners that would be available if you know, maybe your regular person can't make it or, you know, there's an issue. So no, I mean, I feel like, you know, we're close to a lot of the shopping centers and stores and facilities that if you needed something on a pinch, it's readily available. I mean, you really don't have to wait for Amazon. Although we do have Amazon distribution centers. So sometimes you can Amazon find something within hours. So, I mean, it's really just convenient here, um, I'd say. All right. Well, guys, if you have more questions on how to manage a property in this market, or maybe you want to buy one in this market and work with Leslie and Jessica to buy a property here, you can email us at agents at the short term shop.com and we'll get you connected with them. Or you can, of course, as always, join our Facebook group, short term rental, long term wealth, or join one of our Thursday Q and A's at strquestions.com. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.